and welcome everyone. This is the Safest Social Media Show. On the show, we talk about how we can apply information literally skills to online content and how that could empower us in turn to critique what we see. And that in turn gives us the ultimate freedom to disinformation. I am your host, Bridgette Lambanda. I'm a global goodwill ambassador and a social good live streaming advocate who started my career raising awareness about the water crisis in South Africa. I produce and host online shows and lead conversations with entrepreneurs and thought leaders. I'm an active member of the global live streaming community. My amazing co-host and co-producer is Alison Diamond. Alison is a sociologist and social media enthusiast concerned about disinformation and malicious behavior. She takes a sociological approach to examining the problem to find user-based solutions. Alison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome to have you here today and such an interesting topic, um, might I say. What exactly are we waiting for? You know, it's like everything else in the world. We somehow take this approach, you know, someone else has got to do it. We all know what the problem is, mm -hmm. but somehow we sit back and fold our arms and we wait. Right. And so in this case, we're saying, like, what are we waiting for in terms of um, online safety? Yeah, are we like, waiting for legislation? Are we waiting for platform yeah. policies? Are we waiting for platforms to take responsibility? Are we waiting for other people, other users to respond? Are we waiting for, for online friends? What is your take on that? Should legislation be the ones to take the first step? Must we wait for legislation? Um, it, it's interesting. I, it, you know, you would think that legislation would be helpful because then we can prosecute people who are, you know, harassing, doing cyberbullying. Um, but I've seen pro and con. Um, in the United States, we already have laws about, you know, anti-harassment, anti-stalking. We have assault laws. And so we could use those um, while we're waiting for legislation, but I kind of feel like, you know, we as the users um, need to come up with some kind of approach. What because, you, you know, from what I see, we may even, we may have legislation, but so far it hasn't done very much. You know, no. I haven't seen how it's helped us. So clearly it's not working. Yeah, and uh, and I think that our you know society kind of lags behind technology, and so waiting for legislation is really going to take um, too long. You know, I, we have to do something now, and we know that schools are trying to deal with the teens who are engaging in this behavior, and um, you know it, it's unfortunate that we can't get the platforms to take more, um, you know, take more action. That's, uh, you know, on our list of concerns is what platforms can do. But waiting for legislation, um, I don't think that's the answer. You know, you, you raise a very interesting point there um, about waiting for platforms to respond. Now, here's an interesting thing that, that I find. Um, there are different social media platforms, but take Facebook, for example. Um, Facebook created, in my mind, Facebook created this culture of um, share and like. And they used advertising 
clever, cleverly done, you know, advertising and algorithms to condition us into this um, wave of liking and sharing what we see because the what they wanted was for people to stay on their platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they didn't want you to direct people to go to um, other social media platforms where video was also available. And so they made gains towards making live video more accessible. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, initially they started making live video accessible to influencers only, and eventually that's rolled out to the point where every Dick, Tom, and Harry can now have access to live video, mm-hmm. and without vetting who that person is. Now, to me, that intrinsically holds all kinds of issues and problems because, you know, you can be any Joe Soap on Facebook. There, you know, yes, Facebook's got terms and conditions and you've, you know, it says you've got to be 13 years old to have an account. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, if you under the age of 13, you're not permitted to even have an account. But you know what? Kids ask, there's no way currently that Facebook can vet who you actually are. They're not doing any kind of vetting. I'm going to give you one example. We had an example a while ago of um, a young girl who was still at primary school. You know, um, I'm not sure what you call that in, in the U.S. Um, elementary school. Or middle school or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, she she was I think she was roughly about 13, 14 years old, you know, not older than that, maybe even 12. But in any case, um, it turns out, you know, they, we thought that she was abducted and there was this wild um, countrywide lookout for her notices, all kind of thing. You know, we thought she was abducted. And mm-hmm. of course, naturally, you are concerned because this is a young girl and she's at risk. And um so basically, we had this manhunt out for her, and it turns out what had happened is that she had created a face a fake Facebook profile in addition to the one that her friends and family knew about. Oh. She had this fake profile where she created a rather um, raunchy characterization of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, you know, friends and family weren't even aware of. And so the bottom line is that she was not abducted. She actually ran away from home. And, you know, she she was being a naughty young girl. That's all she was being. But, you know, she had the whole country looking for her. So to to me, that's not an isolated incidence and, and a reason why I think we need to move towards a way of verifying people because I don't know what you think what your take is Alison but I think a lot of people hide behind the fact that they can be anonymous or they think that they are anonymous online yeah Yeah, that's definitely true Um, one of the problems that we have here in the United States is that platforms don't have to take responsibility for what happens, um, you know, on their, you know, on their platforms. They don't have to, uh, it's called third party. In fact, I can read this um, act. It's the Communications Decency Act of 1996. It says, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So the fact that we're talking about children, though, I, I think we need to override uh, a lot of these, um, you know, old laws that don't apply to what's happening today. And, um, you know, it, it's right. And we can't 
we can't figure out the age of a person online. And we also have parents who are letting young children do that anyway. Mm, mm. That, that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Um, you know, we live in a society today, Alison, where people seem, you know, there's this, there's this whole thing about it's my right to do X, Y, Z. You know, I have a right to this. And, and there's a lot of pressure on parents to basically delegate their, their right to, to parent their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, this whole, this whole movement towards, and I get the whole thing about protecting our children, but part of our protecting our children is making sure that they're safe online. And, you know, children intrinsically do not have the capability of understanding the dangers of being um, online. Right. And so when parents neglect their duty or when legislation or society even, society must take a huge chunk of the blame, in my opinion. That's mm -hmm. my personal opinion. For putting so much pressure on parents and um, validating the so-called rights to freedom of a child who's not capable of making such choices yet. Yeah, you know, something interesting um, is that a lot of parents are putting their children on the internet. And children, as they grow up, they're discovering that their photos are online and their activities are online. And so how does that impact a child's mind? If they're already online, that line's been crossed. So, you know, I think for a lot of kids, it's, you know, I'm already online. There must be nothing wrong with it. I'm going to create my own, you know, whatever, you know, my own identity, whether it's, you know, real or fake. And, um, and I don't have a reason to be scared because my mom's already put me out there or my dad's already put me out there. Yeah. I don't know. That's, what do you think? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother uh, ball game. You know, I see nowadays the trend for parents are that even before the child is born, they create a Facebook profile yes. for the kids. And so, you know, you've already got pictures of the child in utero Mm -hmm. online and once the child is born there is no telling how many pictures are shared online yeah. and so that begs another question are we violating the rights to privacy of that child and yeah. how may that influence that child as they grow up and i think we've already seen um results of that you know kids that have grown up with facebook the availability mm -hmm. of facebook i don't know what do we call them facebook kids yeah. um <laughs> you know and 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 you rightly say kids will think you know oh well i've got this profile and um so let me create another one because i don't want the one that mom or dad created on my behalf because that's not me right yeah um, and so you've got information floating about this child um, that they may not have wanted online and yeah. they had no in it. And, and the problem with that is with pedophiles and all kinds of weird people lurking on the internet, there's no telling how that information can be used. You know, I want to use one example, and this is a grown man. I don't know if you know Joel Com. He's very well um, recognized um, leading 
social um, entrepreneur. Yes. And um, Joel has a problem where he, almost daily he is fighting fake profiles. Mm. I mean, he's he is such a well-known personality. He's yeah. a world sought after speaker. Mm -hmm. You know, he speaks at social media marketing world. He 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 gets engagements worldwide. So this is a, a an, an adult man who is extremely well known and he has a problem with people stealing his identity on a daily basis yeah 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 i um i know that there are parents who when their children get to be a certain age um will uh fulfill their child's wish and remove those pictures from the internet um, because they did not get that child's permission ahead of time. So, um, you know, that's, I, I would urge every parent to take those uh, images off because just like, you know, Joel Common, all other, you know, celebrities and uh, a lot of models, for example, um, those photos are used for who knows what, and, and even advertisements. Um, I've, I've seen um, a, a, a real story where uh, these marketers, these, uh, products, people like a, could be uh, perfumes or makeup or clothing or um, fitness, a lot of health ads, they will actually find images online of everyday people like you and me and use that photo for their advertisement and saying this person proves that this product works. And um, I mean, imagine how shocking it would be to see your child or your own photo being used for advertising. That's what happens. So we do have to protect our children. And we do need to make sure our own images to check once in a while and, you know, make sure that things are safe. And that's a whole topic by itself about how to do that. But it's probably something we should address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely is a huge problem. And, you know, I saw something very interesting. And I don't think I want to really dive into it now. But mm -hmm. I think for a future conversation, we could definitely look at this as well. Um, I saw a video just before we went online um, of how artificial intelligence is used to make a real person look like someone else hmm. while they're on television. And that to me was scary. Yeah. And how that could be applied to, to spread fake news. Sure. And uh, you just saw what happened with... Um, you know, our president, um, Trump, tweeting a, a manipulated video of, you know, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you saw that, but. I, it, I didn't see that yet, no. Well, it was a manipulated video meant to make her look as if she could not speak clearly, um, had her stumbling through her words and, you know, tripping over her words. And it was done to, you know, question her ability to lead. And other people, conservatives, jumped into the fray, and even his his attorney, his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, uh, made a comment about what's wrong with Nancy Pelosi, um, and quickly deleted it. <laughs> but you can see that if the president is tweeting manipulated, you know, manipulated videos, um, that's an issue. And we've got major platforms with totally different responses, Facebook. 
uh, refused to take it down. Um, they said that they were limiting its ability to be shared, but not preventing it. And uh, YouTube was the only platform that took it down, removed it. Twitter didn't even say anything. Right. And and that leads into another uh, whole nother conversation about, you know, um, us being so quick on sh on that share button. And again, I feel very strongly, Alison, that Facebook needs to take some kind of responsibility for um, creating creating that culture. That's yeah. basically what they did. They created the culture of sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now they're kind of putting their arms in the air and saying, well, you know, it's your responsibility. Yeah. Um, you know, so they, they're reneging on something that they started, mm -hmm. that they in, literally indoctrinated people with. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, where, do you, where does one draw the line when it comes to um, self-policing? And, and my take on that is that, you know, all things are lawful. It, it may be lawful, but is it right? right. Is it advantageous? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think if we, if we, if we, if we, we're so quick to hit that, it, it's almost, I think people have been so badly conditioned that we almost hit the share button on autopilot. Yes. But I if agree. we can teach ourselves to just, to just take that second and consider, you know, is it good? Mm -hmm. How is it going to affect the person that's the subject of that information or video that you're sharing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, my thing is I, I always want to remind myself that if I share something about someone, how would I feel if that was my son or my husband or my brother or my mother or my sister? Mm -hmm. yeah. How would I feel? Because whoever you're sharing about, is someone's sister, is someone's mother, is someone's child. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think we forget our humanness, for want of a better word. Oh, definitely. And Brigetti, another thing I wanted to say is that what users can do besides taking that, you know, moment to think and to remember that we're all humans, the other thing that they can do is start thinking about creating their own content because we have really abdicated that to advertisers and business pages and meme creators and influencers, celebrities. Instead of creating our own content, we're just sharing what other people create. And what happened to you know, putting up pictures of your holiday. What happened to telling a joke or asking, um, you know, questions to provoke a conversation amongst your friends, keeping up with one another, you know, talking about what happened in the community. That kind of thing seems to be falling by the wayside because we're so busy sharing. Right. You know, Alison, I've been thinking about that for a long time. You know, somehow there is or or good news stories it's it's one of the reasons why i wanted to get into live streaming is we don't share good news stories yeah you know there seems to be this hunger or this urge to share bad stuff yes. you know anything that's violent or vile or crime ridden mm -hmm. seems to get the most likes and shares yes and i cannot understand why 
Well, <laughs> I know that in the research that I've done, um, that that kind of stuff is provocative and it gets us going. It gets our emotions involved and we respond to that. And often, like you said, that finger on the button is the first thing we do. We're so riled up about this horrible act of violence or this terrible, you know, fight that these people had, like parents posting, you know, kids fighting and kids showing their teacher, um, you know, interacting negatively with a, with a student. It's things that are meant to rile you up. And then you feel a little bit of fame, you know? You're the one that sent that video out and all your friends see it and your contacts see it and you get a lot of likes and shares. That's what's driving a lot of this, that you're incentivized to do that. Right. You know, Alison, I'm wondering whether one should possibly um, talk about the effects of effects that it has on people that are become the brunt of bad press. Yeah. Yes, um, you're reading my mind. You know, I'm, I think we, I think perhaps we should address that in another conversation. We're virtually out of time now, but mm -hmm. I think that that would make a great conversation. And perhaps if one opens up that conversation, if if we can highlight how damaging it is when fake news and fake stories mm -hmm. um, are shared or if we share something when people were in a bad space or a bad moment you mm -hmm. know and i yeah. think people forget sometimes to think that they are human too and if they have a failing how would they feel about their failing being shared publicly on a video yes totally agree and, and and they yet they wouldn't think twice about doing that same thing to mm -hmm. someone else because they're not thinking of the consequences. Exactly, exactly. Um, we're going to have a tweet chat tomorrow, a Twitter chat. It's going to be at 12.30 Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern, and 7.30 UTC. And what will it be in Johannesburg? Um, I think that is 9.30 in Johannesburg, South Africa. All right, so Brigetti's in South Africa and she's going to be my guest tomorrow. We're going to talk about um, some of the stuff that we talked about today, but the questions that I'm going to be asking her, you can find them on the Safer Social Media Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash social safer. Um, get a sneak peek of those questions. You can prepare your answers, and then you can join us for the Twitter chat tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone, and wish you a great day further. Alison, this was fantastic. Look forward to our conversation again next week. Yes, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow as well and putting together our next podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye for now.